Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, anything else that's rattling around in our brain. On today's episode, we are continuing our conversation with Nate Johnson, the owner of New Light EMF. And uh, Nate is a consultant who works with homeowners and businesses to help them solve some of the electromagnetic frequency issues they might have in their residences or in their organizations. And we went through in our first conversation, lots of details and, and lots of technical conversations, but I wanted to have Nate back and just to talk a little bit about process, like when a homeowner or a business wants you to evaluate for EMFs, what does that look like? And again, Nick, thank you for your time. I really appreciate you giving us all the time that you have it. You're welcome. Well, thank you for having me too and helping me just sow the seeds of awareness on this on this topic because that's... Well, it's uh, what we do. We're kind of in the education business, just accidentally home inspectors. Um <laughs> And I'm more in the broadcasting business now, but uh, <laughs> but thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So just going to do a little shameless self-promoting plug real quick. If you visit my website, newlightemf.com, it tells you a little bit about my process. You know, the website's fairly basic, but I did um, work hard to make sure I give a very good description of my services on there. So on the services page, it talks about what what's involved in an EMF assessment. I'm looking at electric fields, magnetic fields, radio frequency energy. Uh, that's a big category of energy. You can categorize it in a few different things, but I like the radio frequency term because it categorizes the whole range of wireless frequencies that we're looking at nowadays. And so radio frequency, think wireless energy. And that slang name I referred to in the first podcast, which is called dirty electricity. That is not a technical name. The more technical name would be electromagnetic interference or high frequency transients. You can have high frequency voltage transients and current transients on our building electrical systems and our cords and our devices themselves can be radiating that stuff. So that's the four categories that I look at on an EMF assessment. And do you want me to go into that a little bit more? Well, I'm imagining you roll in. I don't know. Based on this EMF conversation, maybe what kind of vehicle do you drive? (laughs) (laughs) Are you are you thinking gas motors are better? That's a side conversation. But anyway, I imagine you roll up and you open up like a vehicle that has some really sophisticated testing equipment. And, you know, you're going to get out there and you're going to start measuring what's in an environment. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, absolutely. So I was joking with my wife the other day that um, hopefully my business blows up enough where I can buy a a company vehicle for myself. And um, (laughs) so I don't have to continually uh, load and unload my little Ford car that I have that that I pack to the brim bringing to an assessment. But yeah, I have like, uh, people are like, wow, you got a lot of bags. But yeah, I bring in all all my bags and meters. And just because number one, I want to be prepared for I've invested a lot of time and money in this equipment and training how to use it. So I want to be prepared to measure all the different energies that I may encounter. I don't use every piece of equipment on every assessment, but it's kind of like coming prepared and 
every assessment so different. That's one of my favorite things that I love about this job is that every home's so different. Yeah, there's a lot of common problems, but you're gonna they're gonna be presented in a different way, and and you need equipment of all sorts, shapes, and sizes, and expense to to measure this stuff. We talk a lot at Structure Tech about our reports and how we we communicate with clients. Right, there's the three legs of our communications tool, which is tell them what you found, tell them what, why it's a problem and tell them what to do, right? Like give them some guidance. Does your report read similarly? And and do you deliver a, a written report to everybody on, on each assessment? Yeah. So I have kind of a few different options. I have two options for assessments. I have a quick assessment, which is a minimum of two hours. And um, I do charge extra for the report on that option. But I also have a full assessment, which I charge by the hour, but generally a full assessment will take anywhere between, they're usually between five and six hours, but they can go between four and eight hours too. So it's a pretty, yeah, it's a pretty broad range and it's a pretty intensive process too. If you really want to look at all the EMF factors, if you want to look at every single EMF factor in a home, it's going to take you two or three days, but you know, most people don't need to start at that point. Start looking for some low hanging fruit. Exactly. Let's, um, Let's, I love your guys' philosophy too. So that's what I do is I go in and I say, you know, these are, we have these different categories. These are extreme exposure concerns. So we want to get you out of the extreme exposure category for sure. And those are going to be my highest priorities to get you out of those things. Cleaning up your electrical system, so important. I, I don't advocate a lot of people, I think, can be scared that, well, I got to give up everything. Well, no, you might have to give up some things. I'm really going to encourage you to give up those Bluetooth headphones we were talking about. But there's an alternative, and we do have to make some lifestyle changes. So I'm encouraging people to do those. Oftentimes, those are free or very low cost. And other repairs recommendations can get more expensive. Wiring errors can get expensive to fix because you never know how involved it's going to be until the electrician gets there. And I recommend the I work with a few electricians that I that I know, so they're familiar with my work and friendly towards it. Some are a little hostile towards it, but once I start speaking their language, usually they come around a little bit too. So, can I ask just an oddball electric question? Absolutely. Reverse polarity. Does that throw off any unusual like frequency? Is there any dirty energy coming from? Not that I can think of. It could be, I would be more concerned about, well, I mean, let's not reverse polarity. I'm not saying it's not an issue, but I can't think of any from an EMF concern. I'm, my biggest concerns are wiring code violations, which are not there because they're an EMF concern. They're there because they're a a fire and shock hazard, especially shock hazard people on working on the wires. But that's where you have different forks in the road, different connections that aren't supposed to be made, neutral to neutral connections from different branch circuits or neutral to ground connections beyond the first means of disconnect are both wiring code violations, as good home inspectors probably know too. But those are hard to identify. And oftentimes we can identify higher fields, which these things cause. So that's that's a key symptom of those things on my initial assessment then I oftentimes a recommendation is like, we got to dig into this more because you have a symptom of a wiring violation. So that's where we dig into what kind it is further. 
Nate, did you have any electrical training prior to this? Because learning electricity is no joke. Yeah. yeah. And we've interviewed Douglas Hansen on this podcast. He's the author of Electrical Inspections for Existing Dwellings. That book is gold. It absolutely talks about every potential issue you're going to find in a from the first house wired in 1896 or whenever it was right up until today. But electricity is a complicated issue. And so I'd just be curious, did you have any background in electricity? Because you, you, you're very articulate in the electrical world. So well, thank you. I appreciate that. No, technically not. Uh, just just amateur, not professional training. So I'm amateur computer geek. I've been building computers since I was in about sixth or seventh grade, and you know, so I know. Are you that, a gamer? Uh, yep, I do do play games in my free time sometimes. So, so let, let's just talk about gaming very quickly. You know, my son has built a lot of gaming computers, and he's very very proud of the speed and the power that he's put into these boxes. And so send you a picture, Bill, to show him of of my computer. He'll like it. I forget his quote in high school when he was a senior, but he's he's like, all things can be solved with speed and power. Is there a lot of, you know, are kids exposing themselves to a lot of EMFs? Or can can you get the machine far enough away from you and use a corded headset and not be concerned about a lot of exposure? Yeah. So great question. I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a tech geek and I'm advocating living in with a lot of technology around me, but I, you can do it smarter too. So you're always going to have some exposure, you know, even when you put on a wired headsets, you're still having a small EMF exposure. We all choose how to live our lives and we choose different things of, hey, I'm taking this very, very small risk if I'm doing this safer instead of, you know, what could possibly be a much more larger risk. So as you noted, I have a wired headset on. Yep, use that. Everything's hardwired. So we don't use any Wi-Fi in our house. Every connection is an Ethernet connection. You shouldn't get any argument from the gamers because it's the fastest connection you can get. It's also the most secure connection you can get. Just want to tell a very quick side story that I read a story where somebody's smart home was broken into by a security flaw. The the weak point was a smart light bulb. So the hackers got into their house through a light bulb. I kid you not. Wi-Fi controlled light bulb. And they opened up the front door and basically cleared out the house when they were gone. Because the, the front door lock was, of course, a smart lock too. So if, if you didn't have any wireless technology in your house, you need to penetrate the network by a literal hardwired connection. And so I always advocate to people, Ethernet connections are the safest, the most secure, and the fastest. So you shouldn't get any flack from the gamers. Now, moms, dads, whoever, you got to run a cord to the system. So you got to gotta get that up there somehow, but everything's hardwired. I have a wired keyboard, wired mouse. I have like a gaming keyboard and then I was scanning the frequencies on it and I'm like, holy cow, there's there's frequencies coming off the backlit LEDs on them. So I turned off the LEDs on my keyboard and there's less frequencies coming out of it. So you can get pretty geeky with it. And of course, I've gotten to the nth degree. I've custom shielded all the cords that can't be, that don't come as a shielded cord. So there are all these different layers to it. Most people don't go to that degree, but of course I'm doing this and I do. But well, you're exactly the person who should be in somebody's house looking for these kinds of conditions because you understand them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like um, 
my son talks and I, it's just, it's so over my head most of the time, especially when he starts talking about speed and, and all that other stuff. The gigahertz so, and megahertz and the... <laughs> yeah, I, I get confused very easily. Okay. I do want to ask one question. We, we talked a little bit about electricity and, you know, it, it feels like it's going to be ever present. Are, are you testing outlets and, and going in and looking for wiring issues when it comes to that or... Are you just visually assessing the electrical system? Yeah, a little of both. You know, it's very time consuming to test every single outlet in somebody's house. So there again, those our, you know, kind of our quotes that I gave on my assessments. If you want me to look at every outlet on your house, it's going to take probably more than eight hours. <laughs> but, but I can't. But when if, you look at them, are you just kind of taking the plate off to see, okay, there's the right wire is on the right nut type of thing? No, I'm generally not doing that. And most of the time I'm using my meter as a guide. So when I'm looking for wiring errors, I'm scanning. First of all, you can look for your lighting circuits having wiring errors. So that's what I'm primarily scanning on a a general EMF assessment. Sometimes I've had it where to test every outlet, it's so time consuming because you have to put a load on the outlet. So you'd have to, you know, go around with a hairdryer or something like that. That would be very pronounced and plug it into every single outlet. There's another way to test too. You can do a, a wiring air audit at your power panel, and that's a very thorough, comprehensive test. But I normally don't do that on a first assessment unless specifically requested. But I'm going to be testing your all your lighting circuits. It's it's pretty obvious when there is a wiring issue on them. And those are the most commonly messed up too. My meter guides me and the fields are really extreme in an area. And then you turn off the light and then they drop and it's like, whoa, you know, okay, this, this is a symptom. Turn it back on, goes way up. And then they kind of mark it and it's like, yep, this, this needs further investigation. So, okay. All right. Second question about electricity. In a lot of condos, we'll find service panels in a bedroom. And I know bedrooms are a focus for you. Is, is that a concern from an EMF perspective? Yeah, it can be for sure. So a a power panel is always going to be what's called a point source. So that's going to be a point source of of an EMF exposure. Our panel is wired the best it can be. I've checked it twice. You know, I've had an electrician's help. I've done some, you know, work myself. I'm not advocating everybody do that, but I'm, you know, wanted to dive into it. But, and it's my house too. So if I, if I burn it down, it's only my fault. So power panels can be wired in a certain way and just the way they're laid out oftentimes again, talking about the separation of the conductors. So that's what causes those big magnetic fields. If they're wired in a way where there's minimal separation of conductors, the field is going to fall off quicker. Now, is it ever a good idea to have the power panel right behind your head? No. You know, so even if the panel is wired perfectly, that's where all the electricity is flowing in and out. And just don't do that. Everybody's heard me talk about my cabin on this podcast, but the only place we could put the service panel was in a bedroom. And it is, you know, the head of a bed is underneath it. And so if we're there for two nights a week and or two nights a week, two weeks a month. So four nights. I mean, am I putting anybody at risk? Can you move the bed at all? Yeah, slightly. 
Yeah. I mean, and it, it's it's low. There's probably four feet of separation between the panel and the and the bed. But okay, well, yeah, even four feet helps a lot too. So if if the panel's wired in an optimal way, I'm not going to say without measuring it. I can tell you for sure. But distance is your friend. So if it's you know a foot away, that's a lot worse than four feet away. So if you can rearrange, but it's modern wiring too. So I'm hoping that there's some some protection in in the modernness of it. All right. Well, that's a different that's a different conversation. Maybe we have to have you up to the cabin and do a sure. an assessment. Awesome. And, uh, Sounds good. We'll do some horse trading, uh, <laughs> walleye fishing for for EMF assessing. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. All right. So you're in the house thinking electricity. You're looking electricity. Do telephone wires like hardwired phones have raise any red flag for you or, or no? No, hardwired phones. They're actually being phased out. The FCC is mandating that uh, we phase out plain old, they call it plain old telephone service. And that was, I forget the voltage, forgive me, my electrical engineer mentors, but I want to say it's 12 volts or something. It's a very low voltage on phone wires. So that's going to be a very low concern. But I've actually bought a hardwired phone last year. Now it's, it's a voice over IP phone. So it runs over ethernet, but it's, it has a hardwired connection. So I make all of my business calls on either my computer, which is hardwired with Ethernet, or a hardwired phone that is also powered by Ethernet. So yeah, I, I advocate people do that. And then if you you know talk on your cell phone a lot, another thing I advocate is a wired headset. Just putting that phone three or four feet away from you is another thing I'll tell people all day long. Please use a wired headset. I want you to live a long, healthy life. And it it doesn't do any good slamming your phone up to your ear. And it can be many, many orders of magnitude, hundreds of orders of magnitude, higher exposures just from that, you know, four feet of distance compared to right up to your brain as to setting your phone on a table with a wired headset, you know, four or five feet away from you if the headset allows. In our world, we're not supposed to find problems and then help people fix them, at least not for a period of time that the home inspection industry sees that as a conflict of interest. Do you have any such like restrictions from a professional standpoint or can you go into a house and and find these issues and then give very good guidance and then actually help people set up safer environments to be in? Yeah, great question. The EMF industry is pretty unregulated, so that's for both good and bad. Well, we won't get into my political beliefs, but um, <laughs> but I don't like a lot of regulation. I'll say that. But with that said, too, anybody can go in and call themselves an EMF expert. So that that's the bad part of it. Um, but I have had professional training and I don't have a university degree. There really is no such thing as I know. But going back to your question, I don't believe there's a conflict of interest. I try to be very upfront with my clients and say, you know, here's what you can expect. Here's if you do this action, you know, it's impossible to give 100% accurate numbers, but I'm like, hey, in past actions, if you buy this product or do this remediation, you can expect a 90 plus percent reduction in your exposures. So I also encourage clients to lay out a plan for remediation. Some things I can do myself. I'm willing to do shielding paint if people want it. You know, there's, you don't need a 
professional license to paint. You do need a professional license to work on electricals. So that's where I get the electricians involved. But mm-hmm. the electricians like to have me there too, because I'm more than willing to help them, number one. And number two, they don't have the meters I have. So they're like, is the is the fields better? The, the guy asked me that I work with a lot, the awesome electrician. And I'm like, nope, they're still there. Okay, well, let's try this. Then he tries that. Are the fields better? Yes, they're better. Okay, awesome. We got it that time or whatever. So Okay, okay. So I did, I did not picture that as being part of the process where, you know, like everybody knows Tessa talks about blower door testing on houses and you can do these blower doors. And if you find leaks, you can go actually try to fix them on the spot and be like, yeah, that leak's done. You're doing something similar. Now they're paying you for your time to get out there, but that's part of, is that quote unquote, a remediation part of this process? Or is have you ever brought the electrician with you on the first assessment knowing there's issues and you're just like, let's get to the bottom of this today? No, not the electrician question. Like I said, it would be a very rare circumstance if that does happen. I had a great mentor, Damon Coyne, his name is, and um, he moved away to Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, I've worked with people that have worked with him and they're like, hey, I got wiring issues, you know, so that might be a rare circumstance where I would bring the electrician in on the first try. Okay. But yeah, generally we got to assess the place first. And, you know, there's so many layers, so many people are at different points too. There, some people know, they're just like, I know it's a concern. Teach me everything about it. I know nothing. And other people are like, I've been reading about this for years and I've been thinking about it for years, but I don't have the meters. I don't want to learn how to use the meters and don't want to invest in the meters. I just want the professional to come in and and give me a professional assessment. So on the first assessment, that's kind of what I do. I, I try to lay out a game plan for them. And, you know, like I said, some of the remediation they can do themselves. I lay out a plan. My reports are very detailed. Um, I didn't totally answer your question. On the full assessment, I do include a written report and I spend a lot of time on those. So I'm trying to streamline that process because I do spend so much time on them, but they're very detailed and I like to empower people from that report. And generally from that process, you know, what they can do themselves, hopefully they do do. And then what they can't do themselves and where they need the professionals, I basically encourage them to do the work or have me involved as much as you want me or need me to. And then I come in for a quick, you know, kind of after assessment, after remediation assessment, so to say. And I say, yep, everything's working. And I like, I love, that's my favorite thing to do, the before and after. Everybody doesn't listen to my advice, unfortunately, but the clients that do are my favorite. And then I can do the before and after and then show them the dramatic, you know, I showed this one guy, his fields dropped by over eight times in his sleeping area by fixing a wiring issue. And it just made me so happy looking at that chart that he's sleeping in eight times less fields fixing that wiring issue. That's amazing. Okay. So I imagine you have a process, you get to the house and you're like, first, I'm going to evaluate this. Next, I'm going to evaluate this. And you probably move, you know, like in our business, Ruben has set up the process where it's top to bottom at the exterior. Then we do the same thing at the interior. I'm using the Royal we here. I don't inspect, (laughs) but that's what they do. And the whole point is because of the process, They've learned to identify the biggest problems through the process. So I'm sure you have a similar process to that. Are you bringing all your meters into each room in the residence and having to download a bunch of data? Or is it just if you see something, then, okay, now I'm going to take the next step and measure 
Yeah, I mean, a little of both. And I tr- always try to meet people where they're at. I usually sit down with the clients first in my assessment and give them a little education too, whether they know they think they know a lot or not, or they do know a lot or not, whatever, or they know nothing and they just know that it's a concern. So they hired me. We do a little educational section and kind of what I went over with you in the beginning of here's the four fields I'm looking at. Here's where they're coming from. Here's sources of them. And here's why they can be concerns. I print out you know, some of these peer-reviewed scientific studies. And I say, you know, here's some of these exposure levels and let's compare your levels at the end of the assessment to some of these scientific studies. And then, yeah, I have a process. I try to work with people. I assess those four fields, but it's not set in stone that we have to go in this order or whatever. So I, I turn off power during part of the assessment too. So I know that's disruptive, you know, so, uh, you know, I work with people and they're like, oh no, I'm working. I got this business meeting here. Well, of course we're not going to do that then, but, and I work around their schedules. I also send them a kind of a what to expect document on an EMF assessment when they do book an appointment with me to, to kind of prepare them and just to prepare their household, their mind, their devices, everything to make it go as quick and efficiently as possible. Clients are home during this evaluation. I definitely encourage them to be. They don't have to be, but I encourage people to follow me around too. Most most people don't do that. Oh, I'm working, I want my space. But no, I love it when clients help and follow me around. It's educational for them. Really helps to have a, a client's help with one part of the assessment. I can do it by myself, but I'm just thinking of one assessment where it's a very large house. I uh, probably four or 5,000 square feet. And I was there almost seven hours, but his wife came home from work to help me with the part that had, you know, needed the second person where it really speeds up the process. And then I did the rest of the assessment by myself. And then he came home from work and, you know, I gave him the details, but that's fine. That works, but it's a lot more real when you can see the meters, you can hear them, you know, uh, some of them have kind of a Geiger counter effect. So it's, you know, it's clicking louder as it's going closer to the source. So it's, people are like, whoa, it's really buzzing now. What's going on there? And, you know, <laughs> I'm like, well, that could be an issue, but we'll talk about it at the end. You know, you got to keep them on track, but it's, it's a lot keep of a steady mind. Calm down, calm down. There's yep. no issues yet, <laughs> but it's a lot of fun. I encourage people to tag along with me. It's very educational and I'll, I'll put them to work too. I have them record numbers on a clipboard sometimes to help them save them time and money if they're willing, you know, so, or, yeah. I, can, or I can do it all myself too. So, so it, does it start with a kind of dining room consultation where you're sorting out or passing out this information, explaining the process, and then you get into the measurables and, and the data collection and they're helping you possibly or, or not. And then you wrap up, you're out of there, you head back to your home office and you begin constructing the report? Yep, exactly. You kind of described the process pretty well, you know, so I'm collecting the data. I do sit down with them at the end and that's obviously very important conversation. And I, I give them, first of all, I'm giving them the information multiple ways. So whether you're doing a short or a full home assessment, you're going to hear a, a audio summary, a conversation where you can interrupt me, ask as many questions as you want, but I'm going to give you, here's what I found. Here's what I would prioritize. And I normally record that conversation too and send them a recording of it just because it is it is like a fire hose of information. So I know everybody doesn't listen to it, but some people have told me that's helpful. Well, we've learned in the home inspection industry that oftentimes people 
pay for these reports and then they don't even read them. Yeah. Well, go figure, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I know that frustrates me. I'm like, I spent five hours writing that report and you haven't looked at it yet, but, but they paid me for it. Yeah. It's fascinating. Everybody learns differently. I learned through listening and, and watching much better than I learned through reading. And so I would, I would be like, forward in the table conversation, two elbows on, listening, like eye contact, the whole thing, the report would probably be more over my head because it, it it'd get into technical things and sometimes numbers bang around in my head. So anyway, <laughs> I try to make it as approachable as possible. It actually sounds like a fun experience to, to go from zero knowledge on any of this to literally, I don't know, maybe 75% of the way to somewhat of an understanding. And I imagine you help really change lives at a, forget the fun, like at a molecular level. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I I hope so. And that's, that's my goal is to help people for sure. And I've heard people tell me, one client told me that she hasn't dreamt in a long time. And after she started um, doing some of the remediation I recommended, she was having vivid dreams and sleeping better, having more energy, um, you know. So some people report, this is kind of a subtle, subjective thing, but a lot of people report more peace or just feeling more calm in their home, less anxiety too. So I noticed that personally, I'm very tuned into what it feels like, you know, of course, these fields and stuff. But in really high wireless environments, I feel more anxious, I feel less focused. So some of these are kind of subtle things. But how valuable is feeling more calm and focused? You know, if you sleep better, you're going to be more creative, you're going to be, you know, the benefits are almost endless of sleeping better. So that's one of my selling points. But it's it's true. And it's my own testimony, too, is I I lie if I sleep eight hours every night solid straight through, but I'm dealing with some gut issues too. So I know that has an effect, but I can tell you I get vastly better quality sleep and I feel like I rest when I rest in my low EMF bedroom and I can make that happen for you too. So there's one third of your life should be spent sleeping and which is pretty important. I mean, people talk about how important your mattress is. Well, I think the other domino in there is what environment are you spending your time in. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the other thing I'm hearing, and I just want to clarify this, sometimes it it is that you have to be there during the event where you're trying to correct some of these issues to really dial them in. And I imagine, right, like everybody thinks, well, maybe Nate just walks in and he's going to tell me, well, turn that router off or put it over here and redo that and add this and your life will be great, but it doesn't, it sounds way more intense and detailed. You, you just can't paint this with a broad brush. Yes. Yes, absolutely. That's so true. And and that's a line from one of my reports too, is that I say, as you may notice from some of my suggestions, there is not a cookie cutter solution to a lot of these things, but I give multiple solutions and angles to things if there are, and all of my solutions are based in physics, based in science. They're based in 
let's try to measurably reduce our exposures. So kind of going back to that, you know, is there any conflict of interest? Well, you could say, well, I'm advocating this thing, but I'm going to say that it's going to, you know, do this for you and I can prove it to you, you know, so that's not that many industries can do that. That's one of the really fun things too. You can go to the doctor and then, oh, we're going to make you better. You know, well, I don't feel any better, you know, so I can't prove some of the subtle things I can't, you know, and that's even part of my, I try to be upfront with people. I can't guarantee you'll feel better or I'm not advocating I'm curing cancer. I don't want the F- FDA after me. Nate Johnson's EMF assessments are curing cancer. No, I, I'm not claiming that. But all my solutions are measurable. So that's, I guess, what I'm advocating. And Well, that's why I've so enjoyed our conversations is because you say from the very first time I spoke with you, this is a science-driven thing I'm working with. I'm there is no witchery, there's no no weirdness in this. This is science-based. I can measure it, I can prove it, and I can improve things. And if we do that, chances are you're going to see improvement. So that's what I really like about what what we've kind of struck up here in terms of a conversation and a relationship. So I think that helps people understand what it would feel like to engage you. And that's really what I wanted to to do here was help people understand what does an evaluation look like? And last question I I really have is if you spend five hours in a house, are you going home and spending probably another five to create that report? And is that if you spend 10, would it take you 10 to create the report? Is it like a 2x type of thing? Or is each one so individual, you can't really pin that down? Well, my very first report, the very first one I did for to pass my certification took me like 16 hours. So I'm like, oh my no, goodness. never again am I doing that. My mentor teacher who passed, passed me with flying colors said, you know, this is like too detailed. I'm like, well, I'm supposed to prove I know the knowledge to you. It was, you know, kind of weird situation. I'm doing the yeah. report on an actual stranger's house and it was very detailed. And, but yeah, to go back to your question, I, currently not charging really a lot extra for the report. That's included in a full assessment, and I'm trying to streamline that process as much as possible. But I have gotten a lot better. It doesn't take me 16 hours now. <laughs> but Well, you, you know now what you didn't know before, right? So yeah. that, that learning, there's efficiencies that get built in. But okay, well, it's a significant investment of time uh, on your part to deliver all this information. Yes. And yeah. I had a an energy audit in my house and the gentleman who came and did it, I thought was really thorough. He had all these gauges. He had all, he took a lot of measurables and it made me feel good. He's taking measurables, collecting data. And I, I feel the same way you're doing the exact same thing and then turning around and then kind of communicating back what that means, how you can address it and move forward and, and sort of lighten your EMF burden, so to speak. Yeah. My reports take me a few hours and some people I know read them. I include an hour of support follow-up time on a full assessment too. So I don't want to leave okay. people high and dry. That's remote follow-up support time. I'm not going to come back to your site with all my meters for free, but you can avoid the subject of being somewhat technical. I try to be as approachable and explain things as best as possible, as best as I know how and was trained to. But yeah, you got to be at least a little bit technical and they're like, okay, Nate, walk me through this. I've had clients and I'll set up a Zoom call or a phone call or whatever, or I do a lot of email support with people with quick questions about, it can be completely unrelated to your situation too. I have people, clients ask me and they haven't used their follow-up time and they just say, 
what do you think about this product? So I do some research for them and I'll send them my professional opinion about the product that they're researching. So Awesome. Well, why don't we do this? Why don't we close the episode by you just telling everybody how they can get a hold of you, how to schedule an assessment. And uh, again, I just want to reiterate that I found Nate on the, uh, it's called the Building Biology Institute, buildingbiologyinstitute.org. And that and that's how I happen across Nate. So if you're outside of our area, which is Minneapolis-St. Paul Market, there was a long list of consultants that do the work that Nate does. So but Nate, how does everybody get a hold of you and how can they schedule a consultation? Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity to tell everybody about my services and just this whole awesome conversation we've had. Yeah, so my website is newlightemf.com, just spelled exactly as it is, like a new car, light bulb, and EMF, electromagnetic field, all one word, newlightemf.com. That has my email address on there is nate at newlightemf.com. My phone number is 651-208-1650. And you can call times when I'm on an assessment. I, I always have my phone on airplane mode, interferes with measurements, and I don't want to be radiated while I'm doing the assessment too. So leave me a message. If you get my voicemail, I do check those regularly and should return your call shortly. Or a lot of people start the conversation by email to it just to kind of schedule a time that whatever works for having. I give a basically 20 to, I'll cut you off at 30 minutes, but I like to say 20 to 30 minute and a free consultation. If you call, let's talk about your situation. And a lot of people utilize that and don't hire me. So I'm not, don't hold it against them. That's my free consultation, but hopefully we can schedule something that to look at your personal situation and, and help you reduce these fields in your home. I just want to mention two other resources, the Building Biology Institute. That is a great, that's where I was trained. There's a whole list of professionals too on there. I will travel too. I do charge a travel fee outside the Minneapolis metro area, but you know, Wisconsin, Iowa, the Dakotas, I'm happy to travel. If you want to pay the travel fee and I can, you know, come to a more remote place too. Buildingbiologyinstitute.org. That's where, like you said, you found me. They have a find a professional. I'm listed on there under the electromagnetic radiation specialist. Really good website too. So that's the little plug I want to give to it. They have a section called free fact sheets and they have a lot of information on air quality, EMF information, you know, just stuff you can start doing now. Another really good introductory page, it's more than just introductory though, but on the subject of EMFs is ehtrust.org. That's like edwardhenrytrust.org. That was founded by a PhD scientist, Deborah Davis, and she has been researching EMFs for, I believe, decades now, but a very long time. And she has a ton of free information on her website too. I print some of her little infographics on like how to use cell phones smarter and hand that in my educational materials too and recommend everybody visit her website too, just because it is such a great resource. And if you want to dive deeper into the science, you're like, I can't believe this. That's there too. So you can dive really deep on a medical level and then just really approachable on practical tips too. So a really great webpage all around on the subject of EMFs. Well, thank you very much, Nate. I, I appreciate the fact that I, I've said this probably so many times to people are like, enough, Bill, but this is a science conversation. There's a, plenty of information out there to back up what you're talking about, and that's just a good thing. So it's you're educating one householder at a time or one business owner at a time, and 
lo and behold, we'll, we'll get the word out that there could be some potential issues and, and they can be mitigated. So yes. you, it's not all bad. Understand what you have and move forward with a solution. So absolutely. Thanks, Nate. Again, really appreciate your time and thank you everybody for listening. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Hi, everybody. Bill here again with Structure Talk. We really want to thank you for listening to this podcast. It's been a ton of fun for us to put this presentation together. And if you could, we would love it if you would go to any of the podcast platforms where you find Structure Talk and leave us a rating and subscribe to the show. You can also subscribe to our blog at structuretech.com. And of course, you can listen to the show on the internet at structuretalk.com. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate the support. And if you have any suggestions for show topics, please email them to podcast at structuretech.com. Thanks for listening.